Welcome, welcome all to another episode of Brews and Banter. Targo, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking mango cart today, Josh. Still got that pack rolling around in the fridge, so got to finish it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't buy new ones until you get rid of the old ones, right? I need to go to Total Wine. Don't they have those deals where you can do, do mix up six different beers? I need to go. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, and they have more beers than you could possibly imagine, so... Uh, I am drinking Squatch Rocket from No Lie. It's a juicy haze IPA, blood orange. Ooh, Don't see me drinking good. IPAs very often, but uh, this one's tasty. Blood orange is usually pretty so, good when I, for an IPA. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be for me to drink it, especially <laughs> to buy a six pack. So those are our brews. Let's get to some banter. Welcome to Brews and Banter. Cargo, after a huge weekend last weekend with lots of implications all over the table, we're just right back at it. Um, This week on the 18th, first up, we got Crystal Palace against Manchester United. United on a high after a big win against City, have a chance to go second. Crystal Palace is on a free fall right now. They've... I believe they've won one out of their last five games. How do you think this one's going to go? Yeah, the games, they keep coming, man. Big ones, too, this weekend. But Crystal Palace, Man United, man. Um, This is going to be a tough one, I think, for Man United. It's at Selhurst Park, Crystal Palace's home stadium. So I think think they could get a run for their money. But, man, I don't see how Man United don't come out with three points the form they're in. I mean, they just beat... Manchester City, albeit by a controversial goal to get going. Yeah, I just don't see it going any other way. Yeah, I mean, controversial or not, a result's a result. United are on fire right now. Uh, I mean, they're undefeated after the World Cup. Yeah, how do you stop Marcus Rashford? Yeah. Um, I don't think Palace has enough to stop them. I don't even think this one's really close. United, I mean, a win's a win, controversial and not. United has just got all that momentum. I think it's going to end somewhere around 3-1, to 3-0. I think it'll be close. Palace are a good team. You know, they showed a good display against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. So I think it'll be closer than that. Well, uh, I hope so. And I hope Palace gives them some trouble, especially with, uh, the game on the weekend, but we'll we'll get to that one in a second. Next up, we got two teams coming off huge losses. Manchester City against Tottenham at the Etihad. Again, both teams not looking great. Tottenham's, I mean, they've gone down 2-0 uh, in eight games now this season. And Manchester City, again, 5-8. and eight three against Leeds, not a good record for him. No, the goals for Holland have kind of dried up almost, it seems like, for a couple games here. But I, I just don't see yeah. see this going any other way besides a City win. But again, Tottenham have been a bugaboo team for City, so it, it could go the other way, you know. Antonio Conte could get it right here against Man City. Maybe Tottenham don't have the slow start that we're used to seeing. But I don't know. I mean, they they really need to come out the blocks faster, this Tottenham team. They need to 
get on the front foot because, man, they just they leave it for second half. And it, against these top teams, they can't come back from them, from those yeah. deficits. I mean, it, it's hard. Um, as a team of Tottenham's caliber to go down that often, that many times, that early, and every single game have to overcome these deficits, it starts to wear on you after a while. and. You know, I almost feel like the players are starting to turn on Antonio Conte. I don't think they're quite turning on Antonio Conte, but they they definitely need to get a quicker start to these games. And the good news for them is Man City's defense has looked a little leaky this year. They're letting in goals, so that's a good sign for Harry Kane and and Son and Kulisevsky. Yeah. I mean, I, Brentford showed the way to play City. Um, the way Tottenham plays, it plays right into their hands. This one could go either way. It's a huge game for both teams. If Tottenham lose, um, they could see Brighton and Fulham go above them. If City loses, you could see Newcastle and United potentially going above them. It's a huge game. That's a huge game for both guy. teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think personally, I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. City going up to Tottenham coming back and tying. Uh, I just, I think it's too important for Tottenham at this point. They're not going to lay down and just take it from City. So I was actually thinking a 1-1 draw. I, I think you're right. I think Tottenham battle through this one, get a point. City drop two points. So I definitely think yeah, you know you with, know how this game's gonna go. It's gonna be Man City with lots of possession and Tottenham looking on the counterattack. Yep. That's how this game's and, gonna go. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, Tottenham might have five or six shots on goal the whole game. Maybe just shots in general. You don't um, need many though when you have a lethal striker like Harry Kane leading the way though. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he's putting 52% of his shots on target this season. I think he's got 15 goals this season. Yeah, 15 goals. Um, But he does have six big chances missed this season. So, luck of the draw, see how clear of a chance he gets. Hopefully, you know, Youngman Son can pick up his act a little bit and get on the playing level of Harry Kane so that way they can pose a little bit more of a threat. I think you said it right there. Yeah, I just, Son needs to step up. Yeah, I think he'll be the difference maker if he can step up. Tottenham stand a chance. If he doesn't, I just think City probably at that point has too much for Tottenham. Yeah, he's been disappearing in games, Son. Yeah. All right. Next up on the 21st, we have another huge game with not quite as much implications, but could be a jump start. To a season for both teams, we have Liverpool against Chelsea at Anfield. Yeah, this is a big game. Ninth and tenth place is where they're sitting at. Both of them have uh, twenty-eight points, so this will be this will be a big game for both those teams. Yeah, you know, I mean, Liverpool's got the goal difference, but there's not much between these two. No, I mean Chelsea. They've got a couple new signings in. Obviously, Joe Felix still suspended, won't play in this game, but we'll see if. Mihailo Mudrik comes on as it can be a difference maker for Chelsea. It is at Anfield, so you always have to kind of back Liverpool at Anfield, it seems yeah, like. I mean, they, 
they have beat they did beat City earlier this year at Anfield. So I mean, they just show they can beat anyone at Anfield. Away from home, different story. Chelsea, Mudrick, does he give them enough of a boost to really make them more dynamic going forward? I don't know about that. He's an electric talent, tons of speed. But is he going to line up on the right or the left if he's on the left? I mean, you got Alexander-Arnold can keep up with him. I don't know how long he stays in front of him, but he will definitely... We'll dig it, Arnold there. <laughs> Trent. Yeah. I mean, I love the guy. He's a world-class talent, but his defending this season has been very suspect. Yeah, you can definitely throw a ball into the box, but yeah, his defending's not up to par. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't look, dude. Is Darwin Nunez back for this game, or is he still out? I'm not sure. I think Van Dyke is out, so that's a, a big yeah, loss for Van Liverpool. Dyke is definitely out. Um, well, regardless, if Nunez is playing, then I think Liverpool stand a better chance of winning this game. However, I don't. I really don't know if I trust Liverpool going forward right now. I think Chelsea might be able to pull this one out. I'm predicting a draw on this one. So, because it's like Liverpool's bad defense and Chelsea's poor offense. Which one's going <laughs> to almost be worse today on that yeah. day? And so that's why I'm kind of predicting a draw. I think it'll kind of even itself out. Okay. I think this this game is one in the midfield. So whatever team's midfield shows up, um. I mean, both midfields have looked very suspect this season. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Chelsea win just because Darwin Nunez, even if he's back, he's not full fitness or 100%. I just think that Liverpool defense is way too leaky this season. And Chelsea coming off that win against Palace and Liverpool coming off that huge loss against Brighton and the huge loss against Brentford. I think Chelsea might have too much for him, but you could be right with a draw. I'm thinking, yeah, 0-0-1-1 draw on this game. Yeah, what? neither one of those would surprise me. Um, but it'll be a game to watch, that's for sure. Next yeah. up, we have another relegation scrap. This is another big weekend in the relegation battle. Uh, you have... 17th place Bournemouth against 13th place Nottingham Forest. Only four points between these two. However, Nottingham Forest won two in a row. Bournemouth, I think they've lost four or five in a row. I don't, I don't see Bournemouth getting anything out of this game. Yeah, That's Bournemouth have thought. lost four in a row. You know, I... For some reason, I'm thinking this is where Bournemouth ends their streak and they get a result against Forrest. It would be a huge result for them if they do. I think they're going to get one. I think it's obviously they're probably not the favorite to win, but it is at Bournemouth's home stadium. So I I think they get the result here. Yeah, that's that's my bold Uh, prediction. Yeah, I think Forrest wins this one. I think it's going to be two to one uh, with Danilo, Forrest's new signing making his debut off the bench. 
Uh, and I think he helps shore up their defense a little bit more, but definitely a back and forth game. I just don't think Bournemouth have it right now. Whatever it is, they can't find it. This Forest team is on fire right now. I think they will pull out the result. I'll go Bournemouth then. All right. Like I said, it's at their home stadium. They're on a skid. They need to write this ship. This could be the game to do it. It's a team that's kind of near them. So, Could be, but it's not. Uh, next up, we got <laughs> Leicester City against Brighton. Brighton is on fire right now. They have a game in hand on Tottenham and Fulham. Two games on Fulham. They're only three points back of Tottenham. Tottenham loses on Thursday. Brighton have every chance in the world of hopping into that fifth place slot. And the way Leicester playing, I don't see this going any other way but Brighton's. Yeah, even even at you know with Leicester City playing at home, I don't think I don't think they have. I don't think they get any goals in this game. I think it's going to be similar to the Liverpool result for Brighton. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with 4-0. I think this one's not going to be close at all. Yeah, Leicester, they're they're on a four-game losing streak, so it I wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, this could really Brighton, uh put Brendan Rodgers in the in the hot seat even further. Hot seat. Yeah. Yeah, at this point I think it's going to be between Frank Lampard, David Moyes, and Brendan Rodgers who gets fired first, but if Leicester yeah. loses this game by a big margin, you could probably see him walking out the door. Yeah, I mean, Brighton, they're uh, flying high, man. They just come off of that win to Liverpool, so uh, feel for Leicester. Yeah. yeah, this would be a really bad time for anybody at the bottom of the table to play Brighton. Uh, but, I mean, there is drama behind the scenes for Brighton. I mean, Leandro Trossard said he will never play for the club again, or at least his agent did. It doesn't seem to bother them going forward, as we could see against Liverpool. No, but, but I mean, he was there, you know, before he's kind of, sounds like he's leaving. He's their top goal scorer this yeah. season. Yeah, he's got so seven. So he's definitely had a big impact on that team. Let's say he's got yeah, huge seven impact. goals and two assists in 16 games. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, they're going to miss him. Brighton seems, I think. Brighton seems, Yeah. I mean, you might be right. Um, Especially if they get some injuries to some key players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's very similar to Arsenal being without Gabo Jesus. Um, hasn't affected Arsenal. Hasn't affected Brighton. Will it be a problem going forward? We'll see. But I, like almost, I think Brighton... I was going to say, I feel I like think, it's almost not quite as bad for Brighton. If they lose Trossard versus no. Jesus for Arsenal. I mean, that's a huge, huge golf in class there and skill. It's definitely a blow for Brighton, but they, you know, yeah. they've got some other players stepping up. McAllister after this World Cup's looking amazing. Matoma, Pascal Gross, Silly March. So they still got some really good players yeah. in that Brighton team. Yeah. Young Ferguson, he's got two goals yeah. and two assists in his four games. Looking like that's a man like on fire. That's a every game. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have. Yeah, he's been he's been on fire. Um, Pascal Gross is on fire too. Six goals and three assists this season. He's their big creator as well. I mean, eight big chances 
28 long balls. That's a lot for a team of Brighton's caliber. Um, yeah, I think they're still standing on the roof as far as their ceiling goes when this game is done. Them and Brentford, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up, we have Southampton against Aston Villa. Aston Villa coming off a win against Everton. Our leads, Southampton coming off a win against Everton. Southampton looking like that city victory in the Carabao Cup has lifted them off of the bottom of the table, at least enough to make a fight out of it. Villa is, I mean, they're slowly putting together some results. I don't know if there's anything that separates these two in this game. I I think I agree with you. This one, you know, I was thinking, man, does Villa get the win? Unai Emery's been kind of on a roll here, but the way Southampton are playing, you know, they're playing like a new team, beating City, beating Everton. You know, coming back in that game against Everton from 1-0 down to come back and win 2-1. So I think at Southampton, they're showing they got some fight in them, and I, I think they get a point here. Yeah, um, I think it's a tight, tight affair. I think... I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Um, yeah, I I don't think Villa has enough to get past Southampton right now, but I don't think Southampton has enough to get past Aston Villa as well. This one's going to be a close one. Yeah, uh, if, I'm agreeing with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah, if Southampton can pull out a win here, it will be huge for them. Um, could potentially get them off the bottom. Um, and out of the relegation zone, depending on how other results go. Yeah, that'd be huge for them. Speaking, yeah, speaking of huge games and how the results go around them, next up, I mean, we got West Ham against Everton. These two teams should not be where they're at, sitting at 18th and 19th, respectively. They're in yeah, the they're dump. tight on points. They're not playing well. No. No, they're not. You know, I don't uh, know who to pick in this one either. I think I want to. No. I think I want to go with Everton just because the way they played against Southampton that first half, they played really well. They got the goal. They had chances. West Ham that lost to Wolves. I mean, they also had a couple chances, but you know, maybe if Skamaka comes back into that team, I know he came off off the bench. He was still battling a little injury, mm-hmm. but I think. Skamaka for West Ham could be the difference maker for that team if he can be fit and get a good run of form going. Yeah. Um, I think as well that I think that West Ham might have enough just because it's at the London Stadium to pull this one out. However, Everton have been scoring in almost every game they've played. West Ham has not. So that right there might be the difference maker for Everton. I'm still going to go with a two to one win for West Ham. Well, I know you say they're not scoring, but they both have 15 goals. <laughs> yeah. And similar goals. So they're scoring yet. the same I mean, amount. Yeah. And they're letting in almost the exact same amount. Yep. Everton have let in one more goal. So yeah, it's like, it could be a draw. Honestly, this could end in a draw. I think that's what I'll go. I agree that it's going to be close. I don't think... I think one team might have enough to get a victory, so I'm going to pick West Ham in this one. 
But right. again, you you might be right. You might be right. Um, next up, I usually am when it comes to your decisions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we got Crystal Palace against Newcastle. Fresh off play in Manchester United, Palace go up against another top four side. This is a rough week for Crystal Palace. Schedule for them, yeah. Chelsea, Man United, and then Newcastle. Ouch. Yeah, in seven days. Yeah, I don't. I think this one will be low scoring just because it's a Newcastle game. Um, I don't think Newcastle lets in a goal. Like that defense is too good. Palace lost to Chelsea one nil. They play United midweek. Newcastle beat Fulham, which might end up being a huge result for them. Alexander Izak, does he come back and play a full 90 minutes? I mean, he seems to be the one that's going to score all their goals this season. Um, We'll we'll see if he can. He's the big money signing. That's what they paid all that money for him. Yeah, and he's played in what, two or three games? Four, yeah. It was his fourth game that he came on this weekend. Yeah, so he's been a big miss for them, but they've had the results without him. Um, I think Newcastle wins this one one nil. We'll see. I'm curious if Bruno Bruno Gumeresh plays in this game. I think he could be a very missed player in that Newcastle team. Yeah, I mean that that injury was not pretty on the weekend. Um, I cringed when I watched it in slow mo. Um, I think I think Crystal Palace get a result. I think they yeah. get a, I think they get a draw here. They get a point. Okay. Okay. I'm rooting for uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going bold this week. I, I still think Newcastle. Newcastle can't always pick the favorite team, man. Can't always pick the favorite team because they don't win I'm every not, game. I'm going off form. I think I think Newcastle gets this one. The defense is just too good. They're going to have to All lose right. eventually. <laughs> I I mean, they will eventually, but I don't think it's against Palace. I think it'll be against uh, a team that's much higher in the table. I don't think so. I think it'll be against a team below them. They'll be more confident going forward, open up a little bit more versus, you know, if they play a team above them, a Man United or Man City, I think they sit back more and play a little bit more defense. So I I think it's going to be against one of these lower teams. They they get a loss too. Well, if that happens, that could be the difference between them staying in the top four and dropping out. So be a huge result if Palace do pull it out. I don't think it's going to happen, but clearly you do. I'm going for Uh, a draw, man. All right. On the 22nd, we got Leeds against Brentford. Leeds lost to Villa 2-1. Brentford beat Bournemouth, and ultimately the scoreline does not flatter them at 2-0. Probably should have been more. I think the way Leeds have been playing, Patrick Bamford's back on the score sheet. I'm taking Leeds in this one, two to one. I I think the Cinderella story of Brentford can't go on forever. I think but you can for Newcastle. Jesse Marsh, huh? <laughs> Jesse Marsh gets a much needed win. This would be a good game, man. Leeds, they're, they're such a fun team to watch. Like I think honestly, I they might be my second team in the Premier League. They're just they're fun to watch. And of course, it doesn't yeah. hurt. They got a couple yanks on that team, and they got a yank coach. So I gotta gotta root for those guys. And so yeah. I'm I'm gonna root for Leeds in this game. But man, Brentford, we'll we'll see. They're on a tear too. 
So this could be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Frank has done wonders at Brentford this season. I just, I think Leeds have been, like, it almost looks like their form is, like, they're always so close to winning every Yeah, they're game. right there. They are right it's, there in all these games. Snowballing slowly. I think this is the game at home where the snowball starts to tumble downhill and they start picking up some results. So a good snowball, not a bad one. <laughs> snowball yes, uphill, yes. up the yes. table. <laughs> up the table, down the hill. Um, <laughs> next up on the 22nd, we have probably a much easier game for Manchester City. However, by the time they play this game, they could potentially be all the way down and forth. Um, because of Arsenal and Man United playing later in the day, yep. Later in the day, United play earlier in the week, depending on how the Tottenham result goes with uh, Newcastle playing the day before. I mean, what a fall from grace if that happens. But they play Wolves. Um, This game starts and ends before the Arsenal-Manchester United game, so both teams will know the result by the time it happens. Um, cities off again, off of a bad loss to United. How do they respond? They play Tottenham midweek. Tottenham could go either way. This one wolves just off a win against West Ham. They seem to give city trouble whenever they play them. Do they have enough this time? I'm going to go with a draw. I'll go with a city win. I'll, okay. I'll say Wolves don't have enough this time. You know, they're getting their groove back, which is great for them. They're starting to get some wins. Mm-hmm. They're playing better. You know, they got a couple new signings in this January. But against this City team, I, I don't quite see it yet. I think this is a little bit of a step back. But I think with Wolves, it's two steps forward and only one step back, which is good for them and will hopefully boost them up the table. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's a draw. I'm going to go 1-1. I think Wolves frustrate City. I think City are just a team that's not in form right now. Unless they I'm beat go with a, uh, I think I want to say a 2-0 or 3-0 to City. Okay. I'll say 2. Okay. Is Holland getting both of those? <laughs> I'm going to say Holland and, man, Foden could really use a goal right now. Yeah. He, had a stellar, he was in stellar form before the World Cup, but since then he has not done a whole lot. So I hope Foden yeah. gets a goal, but I think it might be maybe a Riyad Mahrez. I I mean, you might be on to something. Mahrez has actually been in great form since the World Cup. Um, I think I'm going to go with a De Bruyne goal and someone in Wolves midfield, probably a Ruben Neves goal for Wolves. All right. And then that brings us to the biggest game of the weekend. Manchester United and Arsenal at the Emirates. Both teams on a high. Both teams, I mean, Man United just seem to not be able to lose right now. They just seem to win out of whatever is thrown at them. And Arsenal... Well, I mean, they've dominated pretty much everyone they've played this season. The first time they met, United won 3-2. to three to two. 
Um, however, VAR highly impacted that one as it seems to for most of the Arsenal games where decisions don't go their way. Uh, this one is going to be hard to call. So yeah, kind of going back what you said, these are two teams both in great form. Man United are flying. Arsenal are sitting top of the table. It's at the Emirates. You know, it was a close game last time. I kind of think this game will go similar to the United City game. I think Arsenal will have possession. And United will look to counter on the break for their goals. But, I, man, I think Arsenal might get a win here. They need it. This is a big game for them. They're going to be a little upset about how it played out at Old Trafford in the first game, losing to Man United. So I think Arsenal will come back with a win on this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, United are hot. Rashford's on fire. Bruno is quietly having a great season. Odegaard's on fire. Saka's on fire. Yeah, Millsmith Roback. I think this one goes down to the wire. I am going to, because Arsenal are at home, I'm going to go with an Arsenal win. I think it's going to be two to one. Um, I'm going to go with Emil Smith Rowe with the winner. Hmm. I was going to say two to one as well. Get out with of my a head. Martinelli and Niketia goal. Okay. Niketia. Um, I think this matchup will probably be one on um, United's left and Arsenal's right with Rashford and Shaw versus White and Saka. Whoever wins that Shaw's battle. Been playing more of a center back here lately. It'll be probably, what's his Malasia? Yeah. It'll probably so, be him on the left back role. Okay. Well, then if it ends up being Malasia, I mean, we'll see how Ten Hag sets up the team against Arsenal. If it's very similar to the City game, then you were right. Um, but yeah, it's either way, no matter who starts on the left flank for. Uh, United, I think this one comes down to that side of the field and which set of players have a better game because this one is going to be tight. It's going to be exciting. It'll be very back and forth. You might be right with Arsenal having the majority of the possession, but United are so good on the counterattack. They don't need many chances. No. Yeah. I, I, think, I think this one's tight and it goes to the wire. But because Arsenal are at home, they're unbeaten at home this season. I think they win this one. The crowd putting them over the top. All right. Well, we hope so. That's for sure. We certainly hope so. Um, Next up on the 23rd, the last game of the week in the Premier League, we have Fulham against Tottenham. This one as far as Europa League places, could have a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, it could. Fulham are in sixth, Tottenham are in fifth. So this will be a good game. Tottenham's just currently only two points ahead. We'll see where they're at by the time this game rolls around as they play. But I think maybe Fulham could get a result. But I also think Tottenham could bounce back. This one's a tough one. Yeah, Fulham I are think just in great form right now. They, you know, they they beat Chelsea here last week. You know, they had a tough loss to Newcastle, losing in the 89th minute. So I mean, they're they're keeping up there with the top teams, Fulham. Yeah, 
Yeah, and with Mitrovic back, uh, they just look better than they did before. Um, I think this comes down to how well Tottenham's defense can deal with Mitrovic because I think it comes down to how Tottenham start the game, man. They need to start these games better. <laughs> if yeah. they can start, you know, these first halves like they were playing in the second half, then they shouldn't have a problem beating Fulham. But yeah. they're they're not playing like that. No. Um and I mean this one could also come down to what happens on Thursday against City. If Tottenham loses, I I don't know if they really are going to be up for this one. Winning two or losing two big games back to back be tough. I think if they lose both of those, I think they do bounce back. But I don't know. You know, this one's a tough one. If you had to force me to say a result, I'd say 2-1 to Tottenham. Okay. I think Fulham... I think they get a faster start than Tottenham because, I mean, Tottenham done it all season. I think Mitrovic causes their defense a lot of trouble. I'm going to go with a Fulham win, uh, 1-0. A 1-0, all right. Because <laughs> That's a tough I don't one to wanna, predict. I don't want to agree with you anymore. I'm done. Okay. Um. All right. Next up, we have the return of the German Bundesliga. About time. Uh, Premier League's been so exciting. No one really noticed that the Bundesliga has been gone for two months. Um, except for people in Germany. <laughs> yeah. Except for people in Germany. Uh, it starts off with a bang. Let me tell you. You got RB Leipzig. Who are sitting in third against Bayern Munich? Who, friendly? I mean, they they just seem to always be sitting in first. How do you think this one's going to go? Yeah, that's that is a great start to the Bundesliga. Yeah. First, first, third. I'm hoping Leipzig get the win just to keep it interesting because Bayern are sitting in first on 34 points. Leipzig are sitting in third on 28. So I'd bump them up to 31 points, just three points behind Bayern. So I'm I'm hoping for a Leipzig win just to keep the title race interesting. But it's hard to bet against Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Uh, Especially I mean, when they've Leipzig, only lost one game. Yeah. That Leipzig team is young. They're fast. And they're fun to watch, let me tell you. They are. Um, so if you get a, if you get a chance to watch this game, do it. And let us know what you think, because I love watching Leipzig play. Um, I think this one will probably end in a draw because everybody's coming back. And it's the first game. Yeah, that's the other hard part. These teams mm-hmm. haven't played since before the World Cup. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that form uh, before the World Cup really means anything. Even after. Yeah, yeah, I mean, after the World Cup, it's still even the players who played in the World Cup have had at least a month if not month and a half off. It's a long time in football. Um, usually you don't even get that much for the summer. So No, they've um, had some friendlies though, but yeah, it's not the same. Not the same. Uh, yeah, it should be exciting. I think, I think it's going to end a draw. Um, okay. I, I just, yeah, first game back, both teams looking to get a win. It'll be close. But I'm going to go the draw. Uh, on the 21st, we got Wolfsburg against Freiburg. Seventh against second. Freiburg surprise outfit of the season in the Bundesliga. 
Yeah, let's see if they can keep it going. Yeah, yeah they're I'm fun to watch. they do, too. and then like, like you say, if Munich, Bayern Munich drop points, that'll make the title race interesting. Yeah, and you know how much we love interesting title races. Um, hopefully, the Premier League won't be as interesting, but. Um, <laughs> You only want it interesting when it's not your team at the top. Right. (laughs) I like big gaps. uh, Lots of points ahead in the Premier League for Arsenal. Uh, It makes me feel good on the inside and not woozy. Um, No, that's when we start rooting for those teams in the relegation zone, hoping for a good fight there. Right. I mean, it's a great, great one this season. Um, Speaking of mid-table outfits, on uh, the 22nd, we got Borussia Mönchengladbach against Bayern Leverkusen. Mönchengladbach's in 8th, and Leverkusen's in 12th. How much of a surprise is that for you, for those two big teams being that low on the table? Yeah. Um, you know, Dortmund also sitting pretty low in 6th place, so there's some surprise outfits in Germany this season. Yeah. You know, we mentioned Freiburg sitting in 2nd, Eintracht Frankfurt. Or in fourth, Union Berlin in fifth. So, some teams are stepping up in the Bundesliga, given some of these more well-known teams that you're used to seeing at the top of the table a run for their money. Yeah, definitely makes it more interesting, and that's why it's more fun to watch. Uh, good game. I haven't seen enough of either team to tell you which one's going to win. Yeah, yeah. Smar, Mar, say I'd go with the Leverkusen win. That one. I'll say Munchen Gladbach. I mean, um, all right. Next, next. Speaking of Dortmund against Augsburg, Augsburg sitting in 14th. Uh, Dortmund coming back. Jude Bellingham is back on the pitch. How do you think this one goes? Yeah, I think I got to go for Dortmund on this one. You know, it's it's tough. These teams haven't played for a while in the Bundesliga, so we'll, we'll see. But just, I mean, you look at where they're at in the table, it's hard not to bet against Dortmund on this one. Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one for me to pick anybody but Dortmund in this game. Could be interesting, but it's a game to watch, definitely. All right. Next up, we move to Italy on the 21st. Uh, we got, was that Solnertana against Napoli? Um, Solnertana coming off a 8-2 loss against Atalanta. <laughs> you said it. Ochoa is looking more like Ocho. Yeah. Um, Napoli thrashed Juve 5-1. to one. I don't think this one's close. Oh, man. I hope, I hope poor Memo Ochoa can make some saves in this game and keep it respectable because yeah it could get ugly yeah especially the form that napoli's in this season i don't think it's gonna be very close no um the 22nd we have a huge matchup uh juve who's in third against atalanta who's in sixth atalanta coming off an eight to two victory juve coming off a five one loss this one could go either way yeah, and if Atalanta win this game, they'll be tied on points with Juve. Yeah. So this could be a huge chance for Atalanta to make a statement. 
I agree. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus. Uh, depending on the time of that game, I will probably be watching it. Next up, we got Inter against Ampoli. Inter in fourth, Ampoli in 14th. Inter's coming off a win against Verona. Ampoli beat Sampdoria, which is a big victory for them. Uh, yeah, Sampdoria, they, they're not having the best season, though. They're sitting in 19th place, so not surprised there that Empoli no. beat them. Uh, I mean... You expect Inter to get the win season, on this one. Yeah, form of Inter this season's kind of been all over the map, so it's which one shows up. But I do agree. I think Inter have too much for Empoli, and I think Inter wins this one. Um, leading to a very interesting battle. Again, Lazio against AC Milan, fifth against second. Lazio just beat Sassuolo uh, 2-0. Milan tied Lecce 2-2. Milan have the firepower, but they seem to not be able to keep... conceding goals, man. Yeah, not being able to keep the ball out of the net. They are conceding goals, and it's coming back to bite them. They've had to couple draws here. So I think Lecce might see this as a chance to get one over on them, but we'll see. And jump, potentially jump into the top four. So yeah, they'd be a point behind AC Milan in the table. If they beat them. Be a big game. Uh, Let's fly over to Spain and Targo. Let me know what's going on in Spain this week. So Saturday, January 21st, we have Atletico Madrid. We're playing Valladolid. So Atletico, they're coming off a 1-1 draw against Almeria. And Valladolid just lost to Rayo Vacano 1-0. And so I, I expect Atletico to get the result in this match. And then Sunday, just off their Supercopa win in the El Clasico against Real Madrid, Barca, who are in first place, hosts Getafe, who are in 15th. And the way Barca played against Real Madrid, man, they, they should have a no problem beating Getafe in this one. I agree. Especially since at the new camp. And also Sunday, just coming off their loss to Barca in the Supercopa final, you have Real Madrid in second, who are taking on Athletic Club, who are in eighth. So Athletic, they lost to Real Sociedad 3-1 over the past weekend. And so I think Madrid can hopefully get back to winning ways. I think they get a result here. If not, the alarm bells could could be getting to start to ring there and in Madrid at the Bernabeu. Yeah, I mean, they lose another one or drop points. I mean, they're just going to get further and further behind Barcelona at the top there. I think uh, Thierry Henry said it best. Everybody in Europe fears Real Madrid, but Real Madrid fears Barcelona. It's a huge game for Real Madrid. See if they can get the result that they need. Yeah, they they definitely need a result. Yeah, but if Athletic uh, Club get a win here, that could potentially jump them up into the into fourth place, depending on how other results go. Wow! So that's quite the jump. Yeah. So yeah, big game for both teams. Uh, switching gears, though, a little bit. We're gonna go back and talk about Chelsea. Um, about a week and a half ago, Jose Mourinho 
was asked about Chelsea and if he thinks he could do better than what they're doing right now. Uh, Mourinho said, I don't think it's very difficult to coach at Chelsea because I was champion three times. Ancelotti was champion. Ponte was champion. Who else? It can't be very, very difficult because we win titles here. Uh, Graham Potter responded. He said, it is the most difficult job in the world because of the constant change going on around the club from top to bottom and the expectations that come with managing such a big club. I understand Graham Potter. This is his first big club he's managed. Mourinho is a serial winner. But, you know, is is Graham Potter onto something? And is Mourinho just blowing smoke up his ass? Or is Graham Potter making life harder for himself than it actually is? I think it's more Graham Potter's onto something. Mourinho's blowing smoke. Um, You know... Obviously, with the new ownership, that's something Mourinho never had to go through. Yeah. And, you know, Potter, he didn't come in at the start of a season. He's coming in mid-season. So I, I could see if these comments were being made, if maybe Potter had the whole, you know, beginning of summer and to do the transfer window in summer and then to get his players going at the beginning of the season. But he's coming in mid-season. Someone, other, another coach's players, you know, he's dealing with loads of injuries. They're, you know, arguably their starting goalkeeper, Eduard Mendy, Christian Pulisic, Hurt, Raheem Sterling, N'Golo Kante, Reese James. Pofana's out injury. They spent a bunch of money on him from Leicester. Ben Chilwell, Armando Broja, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I mean, that's a starting lineup almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be hard to be Graham Potter right now because I think he's put in a bad spot with all these injuries. Granted, they've spent so much money already and apparently want to get two more players in. I think I'm going to go with Mourinho on this one, though. When you have an unlimited checkbook, it's not hard to get the players you want in with a Todd Bowley willing to spend whatever amount of money that you want. He'll go and get whatever players you want. If this team Again, is fully I, I healthy... Would... I think I think they do they do a lot better if they're fully healthy. However, I don't think the tactics that Graham Potter is using really suits what he has right now. So I would disagree with you for sure. Um, you know, saying that he Graham Potter has gone and spent a bunch of money. I mean, yeah, they got Zhao Felix on load, which again they overpaid. Um, Mihailo Mudrik, they kind of hijacked that deal from Arsenal, and again, I feel like they overpaid. But those are his only two signings. So how can you say he's spent a bunch of money? He has he got, Those are all Thomas Tuchel's in the summer. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he's got Badashal, um Two Again, more. Again, a young defender more for the future, not for the right now. I mean, I personally think it was more for defensive cover because of injuries. Uh, I mean, it's, just, it's a world-class squad. They should not be intent with almost as many losses as they have victories right now no matter who is coaching them. Uh, Chelsea is... This Again, man, this I think luck is not going Potter's way, though. Like, I mentioned those injuries. If you have Reese James, Raheem Sterling, Ben Chilwell, you know, Edward Mendy back there, I don't think they lose a lot of these games. It's it's Honestly, it's a bad luck for Graham Potter, if anything. 
all these injuries coming his way. I mean, you feel for him. I mean, he can't, it's nothing he can control. You know, if he has those players in a system he's trying to implement, do they do better? Potentially. Potentially. Yeah, I, it's hard for me, right? Because I don't usually agree with Jose Mourinho. I think he is a old crackpot that says things to wind people up. Uh, and I, I do feel bad for Graham Potter. I just, I don't, I don't think the job is easy. I don't think it's the most difficult job in the world. I just, yeah, I mean, for me, I almost I want to no... say it is the most difficult job in the world. Look how many managers they go through. And then look at right now, Graham Potter is getting, you know, the shafts people are calling potentially for his job. And he hasn't even been there, or brought in any players that he wants. Yeah. How's that? How's that not fair? I mean, <laughs> you got to give a manager time. Like I said, if maybe he started at the beginning of the year and was able to bring in at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the year, beginning of the season and bring in players he wanted, then yeah, then, you know, he definitely more blame could be on his shoulders. But how can you blame a guy who's brought in a handful of players in the January transfer window? You know? Yeah, I mean... He hasn't had a full season. He hasn't had a, you know, a, a summer to work with his players. You know how difficult it is for a new manager to come in and, like, yeah. switch systems around? Yeah, I... I, I do agree in the sense that it's too early to judge Graham Potter. Uh, I do hope that they give him much more time, at least a whole nother season. Time will tell to see who is right in this. Um, but at the very moment, right now, I, I have to kind of lean a little bit more Mourinho's way. I don't think either one is right. but No way. That's just my opinion. I, I would say his job right now is probably the hardest in the world with the injuries he's dealing with and the players he has. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, as far as and Chelsea go, time will tell for Graham Potter. Todd Bowley came out recently uh, and said that they should do a salary cap structure in the Premier League. Jesse Marsh seems to agree with him. I mean, they do it in Spain. Do you think they should do it in England? They do it in Spain? Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell that they do it in Spain? I mean, it's the only reason why Barcelona have so many players but can't register them as soon as they sign them. And yet they're still in what place in La Liga? Yeah, they're in first, yeah. And they still <laughs> seem to spend hundreds of millions of pounds. There's always going to be loopholes. transfer window. I don't get I it. I mean, there's either, always going to be loopholes. Like, even look at financial fair play now. It's it's a joke. I mean, yeah. Chelsea have spent $500 million in six months. You know, they just spent another 100 on Mihaila Mudrik. And the way they get around it is they sign them to an eight-and-a-half-year deal. That's why it's we've never heard of. And that's how they can mm -hmm. spread the money out over several years. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think the Premier League would do well with a salary cap. Um, I think it would just limit the teams at the bottom and the teams that make a lot of money at the top would just, the gulf would just be much more enormous. Well, I don't think that's is. the intention. I think the intention, for example, is to have it more like the NFL in the United States where each team is allotted so much money. And that's, and kind of a term makes it more fair for each team to have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, the thing I with think the, that's what they're getting at. I think that's what their idea is behind it. 
but then you're punishing, you know, teams that are a lot more popular and bring in more revenue. Yeah. Um, I mean, that might be the intention. I just was going with uh, the way that it is in Spain. I mean, the, the I mean, you got two Americans the... saying it, so I'm guessing they're not thinking about Spain. No, no. Um, but that's also why it hasn't really been done in football. Um, I, or soccer. I mean, American football does it. Pretty much every American sport does it. Uh, but it's never really worked in Europe as far as soccer goes. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, financial fair play is already a joke and that's just going to make it even more ridiculous. Yeah, it would, they wouldn't get it right. I mean, let's be honest there. Yeah. Uh, it's like the NFL trying to go and play in England. It, it doesn't seem right. Uh, all right. Speaking of transfers and salary caps, let's go over our top transfer rumors. I think, uh, Targo, let's go top three this week. All right. You go ahead. Let me know what is getting your attention. So one that got my attention was Matteo Guendouzi going to Aston Villa to reunite with Unai Emery. I thought that yeah. one was kind of interesting. It's still crazy to think that Matteo Guendouzi is still only 23, so he's still a young player. Yeah. So has high potential, but yeah, I thought that one was interesting. I don't think it'll happen, but... I mean, he's not starting every game for Marseille. I think the the ability to be able to go prove everybody wrong again in England might interest him. Uh, He had a great relationship with Unai Emery. It's possible. Um, It's definitely possible. It's a rumor for a reason, but... mm -hmm. I agree, though. I don't think it'll happen. No, but I thought that one was an interesting one. Um, the other one I have here is Arsenal looking at Rafinha over at Barcelona after this Mudrik deal fell through. You know, he's only been at Barca for six months. And he's not getting a lot of playing time. Um, you know, it seems Barca would want at least 100 million euros for him, which is quite a bit. And Javi has come out and stated that he doesn't want anybody to leave the club. So I don't think that one happens either. And honestly, I don't think he's the best fit for Arsenal. No, I I don't think so either. Um, then my third rumor is Azadine Unahi to leave Angers for Leeds United. So Leeds, they're a little unsure after already investing so much in Jorginho Ruder, but apparently Napoli have already made a bid for Unahi for 15 million euros. Yeah, I mean... Which I think that would be a steal <laughs> for that I, I agree. young 22-year-old Moroccan... Be- that would be a steal, especially after seeing him in the World Cup. And we know how prices go up after the World Cup. I think Napoli, they're getting, they're just going to try to build on what they have. And if I'm Unahi, I would rather take Napoli over Leeds. It'd be a fun project for sure. I, you know, the way Napoli's playing, they're flying in Syria. A. They're probably going to be flying here in the Champions League as well, so mm-hmm. it would be it'd be a fun project for him for sure. Whether he'd get yeah. as much playing time, that's that's a big question. Yeah, I think I think if he go, goes to Leeds, he definitely gets the playing time. That's for sure. All right, well, let's get into mine. Um, yeah, let's uh, hear one them. Of them. One of them is going to match up perfectly with one of yours uh, and make it very interesting. All right. Uh, first off, we got Lionel Messi 
to Al Halal for the world's largest contract at $299 million a year. I don't think this happens, but that is an insane amount of money. And just to let the listeners know, Al Halal is the big rival rival to Al Nasser where Cristiano Ronaldo just joined. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go figure. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but it is an insane amount of money and will completely dwarf Cristiano Ronaldo's contract, which is nuts. Speak uh, of financial fair play. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't have it over in Saudi Arabia, but you know, whatever. Um, all right, next up, this is the one. All right, Leandro Trossard. Agent released a statement saying he won't sign a new contract or play again for Brighton. Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, Newcastle, and United are all interested. Spurs apparently put in a $12 million bid today. Um, however, how interesting would that be if Wenduzi goes to Villa or Villa and Trossard goes to Arsenal and they match up again? Oh, how's the turntable? I almost don't want him, man. You know, he... He's been good in the Premier League. His stats are showing that. But, man, the attitude he's having with his whole wanting to leave Brighton, I don't like it. No. Get him over to Spurs. Him and Richarlison can go fight in training every day. Um, Speaking of Brighton, apparently they're interested in signing the 2000 or 2021 MLS Golden Boot winner, Tati Castellanos, on loan, which – I mean, if he performs like he does in the MLS, would be a great deal for them. Um, yeah. And that, those are the rumors I have. This next one's not really a transfer rumor. I just thought it was funny. Uh, Yusofa Mukuku's actual age apparently is 22, not 18, after documents were given to the media by his stepfather, saying he was born in 2000, not 2004. Dortmund are looking to tie him to another contract with six months left on his deal. How much does that affect his transfer fee if he's actually 22 and not 18? That's crazy, man. How do how do they not know his actual age? <laughs> that, that one was a funny, funny one when I saw that too. I was like, what? Yeah, we've been stopping him to be one of these next great youngsters, but he's still young at 22. Yeah, but four years is quite a bit. That's a that's mm-hmm. a big jump there. Yeah, it's a big jump. Uh, whether it's true or not, I it'll be interesting to see what happens next in his career, but time will tell. Yeah. All right. Now we've hit the midway point of the Premier League season. Let's go through a list and list our top three players so far this season. Targo, there's so many to choose from. So many, man. So many. If you can give me <laughs> I'll try. your top three. I'll try. It's tough. Like I, I know someone's gonna be like, Well, why didn't you pick this person? Why didn't you pick them? It's I probably could have if Yeah. There's so many good ones. Um but honestly, I think one of the top steals this season was Casemiro to Man United from Real Madrid. I think he has improved that team tremendously. He's been playing fantastic. As that defensive midfielder, he's played in 15 matches. He's even got a couple goals, three assists. But as we know, that's not where a majority of his work gets done. It's on the defensive end, and he has been a rock for Manchester United back there. Yeah, a few fun stats for you. Um, He's played 15 Premier League games for United. They've won 11 of them. 
They've only conceded eight goals. He's got 88 recoveries and 92 duels won. So you're so, right. Yeah, he, he's been fantastic. And then my number two player in the Premier League right now, so far for the halfway through the season, is going to be Ivan Tony from Brentford. The guy is on fire. He's played in 17 matches. He's got 13 goals and three assists. So that's 16 goal contributions in 17 games. And that is amazing. And it's showing in Brentford's where they're at in the Premier League in eighth place, which yeah. is fantastic for Brentford. You know, we talked about what their ceiling is. They're they're on top of the roof at this point. So we'll see if they can keep it up, if they can hold on to him. And if he can stay healthy, I think Brentford are looking really good here for the next couple of years. I agree. Um, I mean, he seems to be a man on fire, and every match is looking like a nice kickabout with the boys. So <laughs> That's right. And then my number one, as a non-biased Arsenal fan, has to be Martin Odegaard. The guy has been tearing it up. He's played in 17 matches. He's got eight goals, five assists, and he's just been pivotal for Arsenal showing up in these big games, which was a big criticism of his as he yeah. tended to disappear in the big games. But we saw it. Against Tottenham, he gets a goal. And so he's he's playing really good. He played well against Liverpool when they played them. So he's showing up for the big games. And I, for me, he's my player of the Premier League right now, so far. Yeah, and I mean, fun fact, he's got five assists and five goals since the World Cup. So yeah, he's been on a tear. Yeah. And then obviously uh, I have I some... Mean, Honorable mentions that I'd like to go through. I mean, I, I was debating between a couple, between uh, Ivan Tony or Marcus Rashford. You know, I also wanted to maybe put a Miguel Amiron or a Alexander Mitrovic, but all those players have been playing well. I mean, you can look at Brighton, Pascal Gross, Trossard, Leandro Trossard. And then honestly, the whole Newcastle defense has been amazing. Karen Trippier, yeah. Sven Botman, Fabian Schaar, Dan Byrne. Matt Target when he's been filling in. So, yeah. But those yeah. are my three. Martin Odegaard, Ivan Tony, Casemiro. Best players right. in the Prem so far this season. Well, I'm going to start where you left off. You said a okay. bunch of defenders for Newcastle. Um, my first one I'm going to go with is Nick Pope. Man has so been possessed. So would he be your number three pick or number one? He is my number three pick. Okay. He's allowed 11 goals, has the same amount of clean sheets, hasn't conceded a goal in 11 hours of Premier League play. I know, it's a lot of 11s. (laughs) Got 50 saves, ranks him 12th. Um, And then an interesting one, he's got 18 high saves, which are ones that are essentially above the goalie's shoulders. Um, yeah, he's been on fire and a lot of his, you know, his play and his organization of his defense has been why Newcastle have been so successful this season. Um, my number two, I could have gone with so many people. I wanted to, I had to go with someone from Arsenal and I'm going to go with their linchpin and their rock surprise to most people. I'm going to go with Thomas Partey. The man dictates how Arsenal plays. Arsenal are top of the table. He is the reason why they are so well going forward. Granted, he had a kind of a, 
I wouldn't say the best performance against Tottenham. Um, but he's been there all season, finally healthy. He's it's hard been not on to fire. pick an Arsenal I mean, player. I mean, they're, I mean, they're in first place. It's hard not to yeah. pick some of these Arsenal players. I agree. I mean, could have picked Martinelli, Saka. Shaka has been playing like you can't recognize him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But as far as Thomas Partey goes, he's got two big goals. There's only two. Almost had another one this weekend. Um, I mean, he's got 54 accurate long balls over the defense. Got 116 recoveries, 72 duels won, and 23 clearances. I mean, you put Casemiro on here. He's got 20 more uh, duels, but he's got 30 duels or uh, 30 recoveries less. So, I mean, you could have gone either way. Both of them are very impressive this season as linchpins of their defense, uh, midfield and defense. Um, but I, I had to go with Thomas Partey. If he gets hurt for Arsenal, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and then number one, I went with everybody's favorite. This one's boring. I picked Erling Holland. The guy's got 21 goals and three assists in 17 games. That's just it's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, he's a machine and a robot, but he does make Manchester City very one-dimensional. So how he affects the team going forward, it'll be interesting to see. They're starting to look like uh, Julian Alvarez is actually a better fit up front than Erling Holland is as far as making them multidimensional. But I mean, he scores one point two four goals a game. Yeah, that whole Man City de- or offense looks amazing. I yeah. mean, look at Kevin De Bruyne; he's got three goals and ten assists in eighteen matches, and Phil Foden's got seven goals and four assists. So they're just filled with talent in that Man City attack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think the biggest one for me is, I mean, Holland has 21 goals, but he's got 12 big chances missed. That would put him as the record holder in the Premier League for goals in a season if he puts all of those away. The guy is just there all the time around the goal, sniffing out chances. But he's my pick for number one. I wanted to go with, you know, Bukayo Saka. Um, William Saliba was right on the edge for me. He's transformed Saliba, that Arsenal Saliba defense. at the beginning of the season was doing really well. He's kind of dropped off, I feel like, a little bit in the past few games. But he's, you know, I don't think anyone expected him to perform that good. Yeah. Um, and then as far as players you didn't mention as honorable mention, because I don't need to repeat you, because you could, we could have said any of them. Uh, Harry <laughs> so Kane. Too many. Harry Kane, 15 goals, one assist, eight big chances created, six big chances missed. Um, he's just always Bruce, there. Like, yeah. I expect that from Harry Kane, though. You so do. that's why it's almost which like, is, ah, he's just having a regular season. <laughs> which is crazy, because if you put him in the golden boot race last season and at this point had 15 goals, you'd be like, wow, Harry Kane's having a great season. But Erling Holland has overshadowed him so much that no one's talking about him. Uh, yeah. Another one. Uh, you got Kaoru Matuma or Matoma. He's really impressed me this season. His stats don't say otherwise, but he for Brighton looks like a game changer. Uh, and then it's Bruno fun to Fernandes. watch too. Yeah, Bruno is also on my list. Um, you, 
then United's offense isn't as good without him. So that's what I have. And I'm not going to repeat what you said as far as players because you, I mean, there's so many. Pretty much there's go through anybody uh, essentially eighth and up and find at least one player on every team that could be a discussion for player of the season. Really could. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Brews and Banter. As always, make sure you guys check us out on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Brews and Banter FC. Uh, check out our Redbubble account for merch. And hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Cheers. Cheers.